Media Monitor, l'approfondimento della settimana. Hello and thank you for taking the time to be in our podcast. This is still a 1.0 podcast, sorry for that, but not for so long, I hope. So we want to talk about the future of podcasting, but I have to start by talking about you first, because everyone remembers you from the MTV Times, but I think you're a real innovator or someone that is there when things get started. And I'm thinking about Veronica and also Music Box, a TV channel that few people could even receive at the time when you needed a dish which was, I don't know how large, and it was on something called Utilstat F1. Sometimes there was this sign, uh, sorry, tomorrow we are off air because there is an eclipse, it's what? Anyway, so can you tell, tell us something nice about that particular period of your life? Well, it was very exciting because um, at the time, this was when I was in the Netherlands, Uh, we were making a television program for the Dutch audiences. At, now, the Netherlands uh, has always been a country with a lot of uh, cable. So, um, you know, it was easy to add channels that almost everybody can see. But what happened was there was uh, really the, the first thing that happened is there was a consortium from the, uh, the European Broadcast Union, I believe, who also do the Eurovision Song Contest, one of my favorite television shows of all time. Um, and they created something called Europa Television. And so they were taking different um, types of content from all the public broadcasters around the European Broadcast Union. And we were chosen, or I, I'm not quite sure how that happened. Uh, we were doing all of the music. So all of a sudden from just doing the Netherlands, now we were on the satellite and it was everywhere. It was so uh, exciting that uh, in Portugal, for example, Uh, which had no cable, but they have, you know, uh, RTP1, RTP2, they put Europa Channel just on RTP2. And so every single day at five o'clock, I was there and all the children of Portugal all of a sudden had Bon Jovi videos and Michael Jackson videos. And, and I would read their mail, they'd send in postcards. So um, that, was, that was really, I think, when, uh, when I started to learn how Uh, and that's really from my disc jockey background, how you can start to build up a community um, globally. It doesn't, people don't even have to barely under, speak the same language. As long as there's some common elements, um, they'll pick that up and, and they'll keep that, and, and, and that becomes kind of part of a, a community. And, and I was always impressed at how people always want to give information back and they want to tell you about their experience and how if you share that again by reading a simple letter or we didn't have email back then it, you know we literally i had eight sacks of postcards from all over europe that were in my dressing room and you couldn't even get through it it was so much um to then you know highlight that and say oh look this person said, said this or that or you're there in this country or i might have said something stupid about spain and then someone in spain says no 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 you know what you're talking about Um, and, and I really found a lot of power in that. And I think that's no matter what I'm doing, whether it's uh, the No Agenda show or whether it's podcasting 2.0, uh, the podcast and the project, um, that the podcast actually is part of the project. You know, we have all these developers and it's a podcast just for really just for the developers who are working on podcasting 2.0. 
But of course, what happens is a lot of people listen in, they get interested, they might come into the community, they might have some ideas. Uh, people, you, you start to reach people who you never even thought of. Um, so, so that period for me, that was a big period of learning and um, uh, starting to understand uh, the mechanisms that are used for building audience 2.0, because it's no longer, uh, and I think I knew that then, is no longer who has the most people, uh, according to Nielsen ratings or something like that. It's about whose network, whose community is the most valuable. And that value can be money, but it can be all, it can be knowledge, it can be skill, it can be all kinds of other things. And, and once you have that kind of community, it's, it's really wonderful because everybody benefits. Yeah, I can tell you the experience from the other side because I was a listener or a viewer maybe. And it was exciting because that was the first time we could see European television because before it was just Rai and uh, you know, the right, private right. channels, but uh, very local content. And so immediately you have this uh, opening. It was, I didn't interact, in fact, but uh, it, 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 it was very nice. And then there was very good music, but we'll come to, back to that later. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd like to skip everything about the original idea of podcasting, given you have told the story so many times. Maybe I'll... <laughs> thank you. I'll spare you that. But I link to the local Maximum interview, which is quite nice. Maybe they will let me put the piece inside or I just put a link, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I would like you to talk briefly about the podcast you're producing today. As far as I know, there are three, maybe there are more. I don't know. Podcasting 2.0, No Agenda, and the lovely Curry and the Keeper. Can you, for people that maybe are not familiar with those, can you tell us a word about uh, what they are about? And maybe even if you don't count listener, I've heard you saying that, but uh, how many, if you have an idea of the audience you have? Okay. Uh, so there's actually four. Uh, there's one other one, which I'm very proud of. It's called Mo Facts with Adam Curry. Uh, and we're now, we've done 80, I think 80, 80 episodes. And this is a podcast that I do uh, with a, uh, another American who's married, has kids. Um, his name is Mo. My name is Adam. The only difference between us is he's black, I'm white. And so our show is literally uh, talking about um, current day topics and uh, how, and also historical and learning about each other's culture. And uh, which is, we're both Americans, you know, we share that. Um, we both work, we both have kids, you know, we both love liberty and freedom, but he has a very different cultural background than I do. And what we discovered throughout all these episodes is that mainly the media and politics are always trying to, in America, but I think everywhere, are always trying to divide people based upon race. And when two people just sit down, black and white, and, and they're not afraid to insult each other, so, hey, I disagree or I don't understand that. And, and we're not, you know, woke or anything like that. We're just being honest. And we agree, like, whatever you say is not going to insult me. Because um, we need to talk about stuff. Really talk about it. And this has become um, a, a fantastic product, which I think is university-level understanding of black and white America, how we live together and how we are being separated continuously and how much more uh, we are alike than we are different. Uh, it's really funny. Sometimes there'll be situations where, or we'll talk about a situation where he wouldn't say something because he would be a, think that, you know, the white person might not like that or the white person 
wouldn't do something thinking the black person would like that. And it turns out we didn't give a shit either way. Like, holy crap, we could, we could get past, if we just talk honestly, we can get past all of this stuff. But that's, that's, it's, and it's once every two weeks, uh, as you pointed out, um, uh, on the other, so it alternates every 14 days, Mo Facts, and then uh, every 14 days, Curry and the Keeper, which is a recent podcast, which I started with my wife, Tina. Um, and this is because I always knew, well, two things. It's a podcasting 2.0 podcast only, so we only take streaming for streaming donations. It We never submitted it to Apple or Spotify. It's really only on the 2.0 apps, or you can add it manually to Apple if you want. Um, but I wanted um, a husband and wife uh, podcast, a, a discussion where I knew if we were both really honest, same with Mo, if we're really honest about our relationship, and but we're also drinking some wine and laughing about it, I thought it would be very interesting for people to listen to. And it turns out, surpri- I mean, it's even more than I expected. Um, I don't know exactly how many people listen to that. In fact, um, uh, I have no, there's really no way to measure it. So I, I just don't know. It's more than we ever expected. You know, we're, we hear from people all the time. I, I'm more surprised by the amount of men who listen. I thought women would really like it, but it seems to be even. Um, Podcasting 2.0, uh, we talked about, um, was really just intended for the developers, but uh, there may be 50,000 people listening to that podcast. Again, I don't know. The only podcast I know a little bit about how many people listen to it, and that's just by accident because we were able to track that quite accurately um, about a year and a half ago, is No Agenda. And No Agenda I've been doing for, all, this is our 15th year, John C. Dvorak and I, it's value for value. So uh, the only way we uh, continue to do the show is we get paid by donations. Um, uh, we don't even consider our audience to be listeners. We call them producers because they are helping produce the show. It's just like Hollywood. When you see executive producer, that person brought in some money. Uh, you know, they, they, they supported that television episode or that movie. But we also are happy with, uh, we call it time, talent, treasure. So if someone makes artwork for us or if uh, someone makes jingles or has a good story, you know, everyone's an expert in something. If there's something that's uh, very similar to back in the old days, like I was talking about, um, we could be talking something uh, about uh, medicine and we may know a little bit about it, but then we'll have a doctor or a nurse or an RN or a surgeon email us and say, hey, I actually, this is what I do. I'm going to give you uh, my opinion, my expert opinion. And we use that on the show. I mean, to have an audience that big where it's every type of uh, occupation, every type of vocation, there's every type of field, there's someone in the No Agenda audience who has expertise in that. That's the massive community that I'm the most proud of. Probably about a million point four people listen to each episode. Uh, But what's always mattered to us is can we pay the rent? That's all we've ever cared about. I'll do this show, you know, for as long as I can, as long as enough money comes in to pay the rent. You know, we're not going to be millionaires off of this show, but we have for 15 years now been able to maintain two families. So that's the perfect scenario where we we can live, we can take one vacation a year, you know, we we live comfortably, we're not, you know, super celebrities or or mega rich, but the community supports us and has continued to support us for, you know, as I said, for 15 years. Uh and and uh and so those four projects <laughs> 
is it keeps me pretty busy during the week. Yes, it's very interesting this um, way you you get money from your work, and we'll come back to it later. But before, I want to tell us why we should transition to podcasting 2.0. Keep in mind that our listeners and readers are um, a lot of professionals in the broadcasting industry, which probably like myself uh, two months ago don't know at all about this podcasting 2.0 thing. So why should we transition? What are the benefits for creators and for listeners, both, both sides? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, um, so I'll go back to the reasons we started podcasting 2.0. Um, the, the main reason is that Apple had kind of become the default on-ramp, the gateway to be a podcaster. If, uh, until you put your podcast into Apple iTunes, um, you, you didn't really exist because all of the smaller, uh, podcast apps were all using Apple's database, their index to get the information. Um, so when Apple decided hey, these five podcasts, um, this was uh, almost three years ago, they said these five podcasts or these seven podcasts, we don't like them, we're taking them off our system. And it doesn't matter what they were, the fact that Apple did that means that it was gone from Apple, but also from 10 other apps that were all using Apple's database. So that's not, not how podcasting was designed. So I immediately, and there was a couple other things they were doing. Uh, I, I called my friend uh, Dave Jones. We've been working for 12 years together now on all kinds of stuff um, and uh, things we just build stuff and the crazy ideas I would have. And this was no different. I said, hey, Dave, uh, why don't we just make our own index and, uh, and, we'll, and we'll do it properly and we won't deplatform anybody and won't take people off and we'll make it open so that all developers can access this and start building apps and uh, at least we'll have an alternative to Apple. And typical, Dave went, okay. And so we immediately started building. Uh, and what happened was fantastic, where developers just came out of nowhere saying, oh, we've been waiting for this. We have all these ideas, which could never happen because Apple had a, was using just a very strict set of, uh, uh, of RSS and never really innovated. So the main reason for it was to protect podcasting. We cannot have corporate companies determining who can podcast. That's just not how it was built. Uh, that's not, uh, that's just not how it's going to work. And that's, it's, it's unacceptable, really <laughs> completely unacceptable that, that Apple would take that position. So this was all taking place in the backdrop of, um, cancel culture. Um, so we're seeing uh, people being deplatformed off of all kinds of things, but then one step worse, there's cutting off your money. So now you can know, you know, you might be with Patreon or some other, or maybe using a, a payment service like a Venmo or a cash app or a PayPal. And they started saying, okay, you just can't have uh, any uh, banking with us. So now, now you have the risk of not being able to have your podcast distributed. And even if you do, then you can't make money. So I wanted a money system in there. I know that the value for value system works. I know that if you ask people to support you, they will. Um, so um, at this time, the lightning network for Bitcoin had just started becoming a little more mainstream. I dove into it, figured out that this could really work. And we implemented that. And immediately, you know, people started 
using both the value-for-value value streaming payments and Boostergrams, which has all been developed uh, within this project, which is very much like YouTube Super Chat, where you can send a little message with, with some cash and it shows up. Um, um, so those two reasons alone make it for both sides simultaneously more secure that next time I release an episode, I know that my audience will be able to get it. Not necessarily if they're on Spotify or Amazon or Apple. Um, and I know from many years of experience in the internet that people always want the open stuff. They eventually will leave the, the walled gardens for what's dangerous and what's out there because people like hearing different things, you know, not everything should be shut down and canceled. Um, so with that, with this incredible uh, surge of developer energy, all these other features came in. So we have transcripts, we have um, chapters, we have um, uh, all, you know, all kinds of fantastic uh, extra tags that even music uh, will start working in a different way. I mean, it's, it's like all of this creativity and people remembered, oh yeah, this is what podcasting kind of was. It's, it's not Silicon Valley. It's not sitting around waiting for 10 years. People have been waiting for 10 years for Apple to implement one thing, like the seasons or whatever. I mean, this was just ridiculous. So um, it just needed a couple of dudes to come along and kickstart it and say, hey, remember how we used to build things and we didn't need Silicon Valley? And then people went, oh, yeah, we remember. So now we have the hosting companies. They're all implementing it. We have 58 uh, apps and services now using Podcasting 2.0. So the good news is um, it everything works with Podcasting 1.0, um, but you can transition very easily. And there are many, many hosting companies now that provide you uh, with, uh, with a lot of the 2.0 features. And it's pretty simple to upgrade just from your existing host. So you have more features, more ways for your audience to interact. Uh, in fact, going back to my read the note on the air, when someone sends you a donation through value for value, they're literally just tapping on a button right in the app and boom, it sends it off and you can add a little message. So the way it works is when you're doing the podcast, you say, I want to thank a few people. And, you know, here's, uh, here's Marco. And uh, he said, uh, gosh, I love watching you listening to the show here in Italy. And, uh, and here's, you know, here's some, uh, here's a donation. That process is what gets people very excited. So while the, the big industry players, mainly Spotify and Amazon and Google says they're doing something and YouTube says they're doing something, they all want to do advertising and how do we get ads into different places. And um, we're much more interested in the proven concept of the listening or viewing community that you as a podcaster build that, that supports you. And we have many examples of this working. It's a very, very viable way to do it. Uh, it's also a lot more fair because you allow people to uh, determine how much they want to send. It's not you know, determined by Silicon Valley that says, oh, you have to pay 99 cents to listen. I mean, that's, that's crazy. What if I want to pay $50? You know, you can't even do that. But if you open it, turns out people will, if you ask them. Um, and so I, I think that this is much bigger than just uh, podcasting. podcasting. This, is a, this is a whole way of thinking of how people uh, interact with each other. It's really the, the basis of value exchange.
Um, I'm doing a podcast. You like listening to it. That's valuable to you. Maybe five euros in a month is a lot of money to you. I don't care. That is, you said, this is how, this is the value. This is very valuable to me. It's worth this much in my life. To someone else, 500 euros is nothing. And uh, so, you know, I, I just as, I'm just as happy with, with their donation versus and, uh, the 500 with a five, with a five euro, as long as people are actively supporting the, uh, the work that they get value out of. Uh, and with podcasting 2.0, we've brought that so close to the experience instead of going to PayPal and, you know, or Venmo or, or Patreon and, and, you know, signing up and no, for all podcasts, you already have your wallet. You've got your Bitcoin in there. Whenever you're ready, you just hit it and it just sends off and, uh, and it really reduces that, that distance between deciding you want to donate and actually doing it. So there are a couple of things which I think have to be done to transition to 2.0. And and I'm not sure, I couldn't understand it, even if I listen to many podcasts Mm -hmm. of yours now, if there is a a recipe, let's say, uh, an editorial system, a content system, or if I have to change a provider, whatever. So two or three hints at things to do to to, to transition to 2.0. Okay. Um, if you just want to see what it what it feels like and what it looks like, you can take your existing podcast feed and you can go to sovereignfeeds.com. That's a really difficult name for the international uh, viewers, but I'll make sure that uh, we spell that out for you. Sovereignfeeds.com. You can search for your podcast and then you can say, okay, I want to make a podcast 2.0 feed and you'll see all these extra features that you can add. Stuff. It's a, It's a real... Uh, editing to uh, uh, a tool to create a 2.0 feed. That, now, that's just if you want to try it out or if you have your own hosting solution. But I would say probably better is to go to one of the many uh, podcast uh, hosts that already provide this. So I um, at newpodcastapps.com, we have an entire list of all podcast hosts and what features they support. Uh, the ones that are out front are uh, Buzzsprout, RSS.com. Uh, in fact, it's very interesting. We have quite a lot of Italian people who are uh, in the 2.0 sphere. Um, are you familiar with the, the app Castomatic? Uh, not really. Okay, it's iOS only, but it's uh, it's built by an Italian uh, gentleman, uh, and he's a doctor four days a week, and one day a week he uh, works on his app, and it's a really good app. Um, but we also have hosting providers. Um, let me see. Uh, is there a hosting provider? Who's, who does hosting in, uh, in Italy? Well, Aruba, for instance, is a company. Because we, we, we need to get more of those guys on board. Um, but really, um, let me just see. So if I look at uh, uh, platforms, here we go. Um, I think that... I know there's one. Well, there's one in. Let me see. Who do we have here? My goodness, it's it's such a long list. I'll have to fi- I'll have to look for you. I'm pretty sure we have someone in Italy who's doing something. But it doesn't matter. I mean, you can use. Uh, um, as I said, you can use uh, any of the any of the big providers except for Libsyn. I think. Uh, as I said, Buzzsprout, RSS.com, Transistor. Um, 
Uh, it's mind-boggling how many there are. Okay, okay. The important thing is that we have somewhere to look for. If you look at that page, yeah. If you look at that page at newpodcastapps.com, you'll see the whole list of, uh, you can can filter it by providers and you can see uh, who provides what. Um, And all of them are going to eventually probably have all of the features in there. Um, These things just take time as usual. Uh, But it's literally that simple. Now, same for listeners. And of course, it works the same way. Uh, we need podcasters to when you when you have some 2.0 features, you need to ask your listeners to try a new app. So there's 15 new apps. Some of the existing apps are are uh, except for Apple and Spotify, of course, uh, are adding these features uh, like uh, Pocket Cast, uh, Podcast Addict, Podcast Guru. I mean Podverse. I can go on and on and on. They're all adding these features um, over we'll be adding some features soon so it's going to happen automatically but if you want to jump in and get the full experience then one of those new apps uh, is definitely the way to go and when you uh, use that and you like it if there's a different podcast that you listen to you know try and tell that podcaster hey why don't you go to podcasting 2.0 and you know and that's how podcasting traditionally builds up and people start to implement stuff and it gets uh, and that's how it scales. The fact that you're choosing this uh, distributed uh, way to approach the development of point two, podcasting 2.0, as opposed to maybe more traditional thing, which is go to a venture capitalist. Uh, after all, you are a podfather, right? You, you could go to Andris Norovitz and say, okay, here I have this. Mm-hmm. And you get rich and you do something that has a... F- great impact just because they are supporting you but you're choosing a totally different path so i'm curious as why have you chosen this way to 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 go thank you thank you for noticing that uh dave and i we're old we've been around we know what happens i've taken money from silicon valley i've started several companies i've taken a company public there's always a bill to pay so if we have no bill to pay, if everybody is doing their piece for their own, for, for their own uh, uh, initiative. So hosting companies, they have their business model. Podcasters, they may have advertising. They may, you know, I don't care how they make their money. We don't need to make money. We're doing this because we think it's the right thing to do. Uh, and once you get outside money, uh, which means someone has control. You, you don't get to um, raise money for a business model unless you have control over how, the, how, how things work. And we don't want to be in control of podcasting. Nobody should, we don't want to be Apple and we don't want to take it from Apple and then become Apple. We want to be the place that you can trust, that developers can trust and podcasters can trust because we have literally no, no dog in the hunt. The, the, there's no way that we're making money except for one. The only thing we ask is whenever someone um, uh, sends money through the value for value system um, to the podcaster, that 1% goes to podcast index. That actually pays for our servers. It's not, it's not a, it doesn't cost a lot every month. It's, you know, it's a couple thousand dollars. So the people who are already using podcasting 2.0 by voluntarily giving up 1% of their streaming payments literally keeps everything running. That's all we want. We, we, we don't care. Um, now, we, we don't get paid. 
but um, the Bitcoin that comes in, if there's any, after we pay the bill, we leave it on the server. And maybe in five years or 10 years, Bitcoin's a million dollars. Oh, Adam and Dave will have some money. That may not happen. That's, we'll be doing this in 10. I'd pay out of my own pocket to do this, Marco, because this is the right thing to do. When um, in the 80s and 90s, and I'm 57, I'll be 58 in September. In the 80s and 90s, I had my career, I was doing television, doing MTV, radio, party time, making money, things were great, you know, it was just a crazy ass time, loved those decades. But my generation fucked up. We weren't paying attention to who was getting elected to the school board or who was in the city council. We weren't really paying attention to the educators that were educating our kids. And um, and a lot of uh, dipshits got in. Personally, I think you know a lot. We have so much middle management and the medical care. There's so much middle management. There's, there's not even there's more managers than doctors. I mean, everything's all kind of upside down. And for this particular age group, uh, which I'll just call the millennials, there's a, there's a large group of let's say uh, 25 to 35 year olds who feel the social contract has been broken. Uh, and I can only really speak on, on behalf of America, but I think it's very similar around the world. So this group was born around 1990. I have a daughter who's 31, so I, I understand where this is coming from. And 1990, we already had the first uh, Iraq war. So uh, there was already war and a lot of television imagery. Then we got 9-11. So now we had kids who are 10 years old. They go through this incredible shocking experience, which was shocking for adults. Imagine being 10. And the whole world seems to be messed up and on fire. But don't worry. We got it covered. We're going to smoke them out. We'll, you know, we'll be at two weeks and we'll have it all. We're going to go get Osama bin Laden. And then we went into the wrong country. We went into Iraq. And then you know, we killed this guy. And then we went into Libya. And you know, all this stuff is happening. Uh, yeah, but don't worry, we got it all covered. It's not going to be a problem. And then we get the financial crisis. Uh, and the financial crisis, these kids are now in high school and they see their friends losing their homes, all kinds of bad stuff happening. Don't worry, we got it completely covered. Then they, they graduate from university, college, and they have a degree which is kind of useless because of all the useless educators that came up with, you know, uh, gender studies, et cetera, not really productive for the, uh, uh, for the work environment. And, uh, and, and these kids are $50,000 in debt. And the only jobs they can get are, you know, $15 jobs, um, you know, working shit jobs. And so they checked out. They're like, this, this sucks. It's a lie. We were told if we went to school, we, there would be jobs, there'd be opportunity. And not only that, but now we have inflation, we can't pay the rent. My, my stepdaughter is going to have to move out of her apartment in New York because they raised the rent by 30%. Um, and so the disillusion, and this is, this group, a lot of this group has um, moved into Bitcoin specifically. I'm not talking about crypto, but only Bitcoin as a, a utopian, uh, but very achievable uh, way of changing the world by changing the money. Um, and now we're seeing uh, more people uh, you know, and so podcasting and Bitcoin really go hand in hand as kind of two of the same. It's like brother and sister. Um, now we're seeing people who are using Bitcoin to build networks with for schools that are outside of the school system, 
for um, shared medical care, for food, for, you know, uh, for beef. I mean, it's, it's creating a parallel, uh, a parallel economic system, which is loosely bound together by, in our case, uh, podcast um, and, 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 um, and Bitcoin, and everybody has their own part. And Dave and I, our job is to make sure that people can always speak freely and podcast freely. That's the, that is our core mission. We don't want anyone, no politician, no lawmaker. Now, there's obvious limitations to freedom of speech. There's legal things you cannot do, uh, but it's not a lot. You should be able to say anything and not have some Silicon Valley company determine that, you know, no one can see that. So it's we're not just Silicon Valley, because I'm not sure if you're aware, but in Europe, there was this R RT channel from Russia. It was mainly uh, propaganda. Blind. Yeah. But I could understand when it was propaganda and when it was interesting. Sometimes it was. Exactly. And they, it went black because yeah. the president of the European Union said no more. The feed yeah. was cut. Yeah, Queen Ursula. Yeah, I know. Queen right. Ursula said you can't watch this anymore. And, really and, and and that what what she's saying is you're stupid is what she's saying. You're too stupid to right. understand what's propaganda. Now what she really means is you need our propaganda. Yeah. That's what she wants. You know, and, and I think that people are seeing through that now. So we need to make sure that these things are are just open. I mean, it's it's and and, and you take that same example. Queen Ursula also deplatformed Russia from SWIFT. That wasn't America. That was the European Union and the European banks who made that call. It wasn't Joe Biden. It was it was it was the European Union and you know they're bringing in the UN and NATO and all this stuff. Uh, you know, and and they're all full of crap, you know. It's like you know, you watch Mario Draghi, he's going to be a very important guy in the, in the next uh, whatever Europe is going to become, he's going to be an important guy. Um, so yeah, but that's the point. It's like you're not stupid. People aren't stupid. They can they can learn, and maybe some people are. So what? You know, you're not literally the boss of their brains and of their thinking. That's not okay. I don't want to live in that world. And for all the things that my generation did wrong, for the current workforce, for the current you know the the millennials who are now just coming into their own, um, uh, I want to be the protector of that speech. That's my job. Uh, making up for for some shit we did wrong. And, uh, and making it better for their kids. Good. So um, one question. Uh, do, do we have more 10 more minutes? Or your... Of course I do. Of course okay, I do. so because the, this thing is, I have three minutes and then it will cut because it's the free version. So in case it cuts, I, I will you'll, send you'll you another link. And you send me send another back. link? Okay. So I wanted, if, if, if I can, switch back, back a little bit to music because we are too serious now. <laughs> so, so I've heard Tina stating that the best part of Eurovision contest to 10, 2021 was the Italian song. Yes. That means Maneskin. Okay. But you didn't yes. express oh, yourself. We we, yeah, Maneskin. We love them. Okay. Okay. So, but you didn't express yourself. So I wanted to know how, if, if you like them at all. Oh, no, I, no. I, I love, you know, I have family in Italy. Do you know that? And my sister is... Yeah, my sister Willow is married to Alessandro Pacci. You know him? He's a comedian. Okay. Uh, yeah, he. You know the. the ah, the, the comedian. The, yeah, he's. You know the Pinocchio movie, the funny. Right, 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 right. Okay, okay. Alessandro, that's my that's my brother-in-law. Okay, good. 
so so I have a I have a lot of uh, affinity with uh, with Italy. So of course, when uh, when when Italy's winning, I'm going to root for Italy too. You know, it's like, but I actually liked it. I thought those I like what they did. I thought this year, um, although of course, you know, I, I predicted on my show. Don't worry, Ukraine's going to win. They're going to win. Uh, they're going to win the World Cup soccer. They're going to win. Every, this is, <laughs> these are all corrupt things. And you know they changed the votes for for this year. They literally changed the votes of Romania, Bulgaria. So the whole thing is corrupt. But I thought the music, the music actually a lot of it was pretty good. It wasn't as kind of hokey as it's been in the past. You know, it, I I was quite impressed. Um, and uh, and Italy did a beautiful job, of course, uh, uh, of hosting the uh, the event. Uh, it was a great production. So I'm still. I'm still old fashioned that way. I love these big European shows, you know, where all the different countries are doing something together, competing a little bit. That's always, always felt very good to me. I've always liked that. Good. Yeah. So next question, as you know, or in fact, probably you don't know, I, we have a sister publication, which is called 7080s point IT, Italy which is a mix of a website uh, with the stories about the 70s and 80s and the radio station, which is uh -huh. uh, DAB, which is the European... Uh, I know DAB, uh, sure. Yeah, I, okay, okay. It's Digital audio DAB. broadcast, sure. Right, it's in DAB because I thought you just know HD radio, but no, we have DAB because Europe went a different way. <laughs> yeah, I know. So we, it's on DAB in Milano and it's also um, on the digital terrestrial television. And we played music uh, from the 70s and the 80s and we tell stories about 80 and, and 70s and the 80s so the first curiosity and it's quite quite popular so and not only for people which are were born in the 60s even younger people so i was wondering if there are similar stations in texas or in duke in us in general do, do people still like that music some people like it well, more than the current music That's a that's a good question. Um, now I used to live. I lived in Austin, Texas, for 12 years. Austin is a very thriving, young city. Um, so you know, th there's that would that would not be the type of music you would encounter in Austin. But we moved about a hundred kilometers to the west, and we're now in Hill Country, Texas, where there's wineries and it's very green and um, and uh, it's uh, a lot less people. And there's a radio station here, in fact. Radio, I, I love radio. I love local radio. I think local radio is, is that's what radio is still really good at. Because um, radio, of course, is inherently expen more expensive than a, a stream on the internet. Um, and there's a station here called, uh, 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 it's Kirk, uh, gosh, they have a special name. It's uh, KRV, it's uh, 90. 93.4 94.3 it's a rock station that has a traditional morning show it's called the rock of texas um and they play, play everything from you know uh, 70s bowie to led zeppelin to you know some you know good 80s uh, uh ozzy um you know a lot of more heavier rock stuff uh and it's just so nice to hear that music but it's and it's also not all done with a computer so there's people who are putting the songs into the order you know so you know i'm a, like as david bowie said in his song i'm a dj i am what i play you know so that's that's a, that's very um you can really feel that 
And so, you know, and I don't know, I mean, they may have a couple hundred thousand listeners, if that, I don't know. But uh, when I was listening to them, like, oh my, I need to be on this station. So I called the, I reached out to the morning show guy. I said, hey man, can I come on the show? He's like, are you kidding me? Uh-huh. No, actually, I had mentioned him on a podcast, the Megyn Kelly, po- big podcast. I said, you know, I listened to The Rock in Kerrville. I really, I really dig listening to that in the car. And the guy pinged me and I said, oh yeah, I'd love to be on the morning show. And, you know, I went on for, you know, four hours and it was so much fun because then you really, that's what radio is, is missing these days is the vibe of the DJ feeling the moment, you know, today is the day for this particular song. It's not something the computer can't know this is the song. Of course, you have scheduling and playlists, and there's a lot of stuff that is just modernizing the actual play out of radio. But to have that human element, oh, man, I love it. And you can wake me up any day to do a morning show as long as there's music involved. Um, So we do have that. Uh, Of course, um, uh, a a lot of stations are financially going to be in trouble because it's just too expensive, really, to maintain. But I think these hyper-local stations that serve a small area and have the local advertisers because that's really who's sponsoring it you know and these are also the stations that go out and do the charity events and they do the football events for the high school these things are are very very important to american culture for sure and i think it's the same way with uh, italy may be very similar because i know you have although you know you turn on anything, it's, oh, it's Berlusconi, it's Cecagori, you know, whoever all these gangsters are. But, you know, it's like, but having a small, a small station is still beautiful when you have it. That's, I don't think there's, um, a DAB has changed a lot of that. Um, certainly in the UK, um, there's a lot of very hyper-local stations that use it. So um, it's still alive as far as I'm concerned. I think it's a very valid medium. Uh, yes, it's happening now. In fact, we have been uh, for many, many years just in FM uh, with big networks. In fact, some local station in uh, remote, no, not remote, but in area other than Milano, let's say. But now in Milano, I, I counted 120 stations two weeks ago, uh, and many were uh, really wow. local. So wow. it's uh, maybe. I didn't maybe know that. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, I yeah, didn't know yes. there were that many. Oh, that's cool. We went for about 30 on FM to about 120. You know, I, so, I, I started my career when I was 15 in the Netherlands by being a pirate broadcaster um, because, you know, we only had uh, four official uh, Dutch NOS, you know, r- r- you know, public radio stations. And the, the popular top 40 station was on from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. and was playing polka music and Engelbert Humperdinck in the 70s. Meanwhile, I'm listening to Radio Veronica, Radio Mi Amigo, Caroline. They're playing this crazy stuff from the North Sea. And then once I figured out how to use a soldering iron, I built my first FM transmitter. And I've been, and I consider podcasting still pirate radio, basically. It's a nice way to see that. Yes, 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 it's true. And you know what my editor, the, the publisher of Newsline, that he, he used to run an FM station, a small FM station, in fact, in Nerviano, which is a town nobody knows, but north of Milano somewhere. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you, if you want, you can do a little jingle for 78, an announcement rather for 78, would you? And what's it called again, 7080? Uh, but you can say it in Italian if you can. 7080.8, can you say that? So tanto, 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 what? Punto it, point it, point it, point it, point it, point it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I can do this. Hold on. 
What is it again? Santo Santo? 70. 70? Which is 70. 80, which is 80. Wait, what's the 80 again? 80. 80? Perfect. And uh, then? Punto? Uh, punto 8, which is 0.80. Okay, great. So you can Set, say whatever. Okay. So it's setanta, octanta. Okay. Yes, that's correct. Anything you want to say. All right, okay. Hey, everybody, it's Adam Curry. You might remember me from MTV if you're old enough, also known as the Podfather. Very proud to be here listening with you to setanta, octanta, punto it. Perfect. Thank you very much. Speak Italian. <laughs>